Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series in the Gospel of Matthew with this sermon entitled, Built to Last, preached on October 19, 1997. Matthew 7, 24 through 29. This is a plea, this is an exhortation, this is a warning, and this is a threat designed even to frighten Christians. And this particular text speaks about two builders building two houses. Now let me say, both houses may look the same. Everyone is building if he is living. And every day he is building. And every moment he is building. The question is, are you a wise builder or a foolish builder? Are you building to last or will your building collapse? Are you building thoughtfully upon the foundation that is impregnable, the foundation that is rock, or are you in a hurry building emotionally upon sand? Time will tell, and the day of final judgment will reveal. Every building shall be tested. One will stand, the other will fall. A great shaking will take place as we read in the book of Hebrews. Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. So let us pay attention first to the teacher who is teaching this Sermon on the Mount. And you see the response of the crowd. We read it in verse 28 and 29. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. The crowds were amazed at his teaching because they heard a teaching that was unlike the teachings of the scribes. The scribes, the teachers of the law, obtained a hearing by citing rabbinic authorities. Rabbi Yehuda has said long ago, Rabbi Gamaliel supported Rabbi Yehuda by his remark that the scribes did not have any authority of their own. They rested on the tradition of the elders. The prophets of all spoke with greater authority. They spoke by the infallible inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, Hosea and Amos, they said, thus says the Lord. But here is a man who speaks with such authority that people are totally amazed. They are blown away. That is what the word says. 
The scribes spoke by authority, but the Lord Jesus spoke with authority. Later he asked the question, who do you say that I am? And you know what Peter answered, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. This teacher was a carpenter from Nazareth. He was a poor man, unschooled. Yet he says, I say unto you. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I and the Father are one. He said to the Samaritan woman, I am the Messiah. He says in this sermon that he is the Lord. And that he is the final judge. He says in this sermon that his words set forth the will of my father. He acknowledged to the high priest, he is the Christ, the son of God. It is he who said, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. I say that this teacher is true God and true man. He is the Holy One. He is light. He is life. Yet the crowds were only amazed at him. He is amazing. But to be amazed is not to be saved. You may be amazed at his person and teaching. Without the benefit of salvation. To be saved, one must repent of one's sins and trust in Jesus Christ alone, the only mediator between God and man. Let me say this to you. It is the responsibility of every person under the heavens to hear his teaching. And his teaching only. Forget about all the philosophers who came before him and all the philosophers he, who came after him and forget about their teaching. There's only one teacher that you need to listen to. And that is this one, the Lord Jesus Christ. You must listen to him. But that's not enough. You must believe in his person and his work. And if you truly believe in his person and in his work savingly, you will obey the Lord Jesus Christ not only once, but throughout your life. That's what the text says. Hears and does these sayings of mine in the present tense means hearing throughout your life and doing his will throughout your life. Now my question to you, I must ask this question. Are you like the crowds, amazed but not saved? That will be a serious tragedy. Secondly, let's look at these two builders, wise builder and foolish builder. A wise builder is a thoughtful person. He thinks before he acts. Turn with me to Luke's gospel, the 14th chapter, and listen to what Jesus says. Verse 25, 
large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And then he tells this, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? Jesus Christ demands us that we should think, we should sit down, we should estimate, think about the location, foundation, cost. We must anticipate all future problems that may arise. The rain, the floods, the storms. And remember the parable of the soil. The fourth soil, particularly Matthew 13 and verse 23. Here Jesus says, But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. How many people come to the church and don't want to think anymore. I thought at work. I thought at school. I thought when I was cooking. <laughs> but I have come to the church. And I want to relax. I don't want to think anymore. Let me tell you. This is the place you must be thinking. Even if you fail in the school. At work. And when you cook. Here is a place you must think. So he says, but the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. You remember in the 25th chapter of this gospel, Matthew's gospel, you find five wise virgins and five foolish virgins. The foolish virgins did not have common sense did not think. Oh, they had the lamp, but they didn't think to look inside it and see whether there was any oil. Thoughtless Christians are building upon sandy foundation. It will be tested and it shall collapse. Lamp without oil. What foolishness. What thoughtlessness. What lack of common sense. Wise builder is one who listens carefully to instructions. They are hardworking. And they are patient. Luke says in Luke chapter 6, 47 and following, they dug deep. The wise builder digs deep until he comes upon the bedrock. And then he builds his house on it. Wise builder is a hard worker. Wise builders are not looking for shortcuts. They are not looking for quick results. They build to last. And they pray the prayer the psalmist prayed in Psalm 90 verse 17. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. 
establish the work of our hands for us. Establish means make it permanent. Make it last. They study carefully the instruction of Christ in terms of how to build. They will not add to it and they will not subtract from it. Turn with me to Matthew 24 and let me read to you from verse 45 in terms of a wise steward. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. The servant listened and the servant refuses to add to it or subtract from it and the servant does it every day until the master comes. That's wise servant. Wise builders, they build to please the Lord and not themselves. Let me tell you, if you are not a thinking person you are in big time trouble you are a foolish builder what is a foolish builder he refuses to think and he refuses to understand again look at the parable of the soil Matthew 13 verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. There is an enemy that is against our understanding. And he is ever present. He doesn't want you to understand. Unthinking, like the foolish virgin, take the lamp but no oil. A foolish builder is emotional, led by own feeling, sensual, not scriptural, slave to my feeling. The feeling and emotion become the final court of appeal. I feel this way. And that's the end of the argument. I don't care what Jesus Christ is saying. It's like soil number two. Matthew 13 verse 20. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word. And at once receives it with joy. They didn't understand the word. They didn't understand its demand. But an emotional response. A foolish builder is a person who is interested in pleasure. He's interested in enjoying Christianity by all means. It is like the third soil in the parable of the sower. Matthew 13 and verse 22. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. And Luke says pleasures of life. Choke it. Making it unfruitful. Characterized by worldliness. 
always yearning for the things of the world and what the things of the world can provide in terms of joy and happiness. Foolish builder is lazy. Plain and simple, he is lazy. Especially, I said, he is lazy in his mind. What distinguishes man from animal is the mind. We are created in the image and likeness of God. We are created to think God's thoughts after him. Laziness of mind is a severe and serious problem, brothers and sisters. God has given us a book which needed to be studied with the mind. We need to be able to dig deep, mine the riches that are in God's word. A foolish builder is one who refuses to listen to doctrines. He doesn't like doctrines. Doctrine of creation, doctrine of God, doctrine of sin. He hates doctrine. The doctrine of ordo salutis. The effectual calling, repentance and faith and justification. Adoption, sanctification and all that. He hates it. Don't tell me about doctrine. How many people are crowding churches? And the reason they are crowding the churches is they are entertained. And they don't have to listen to doctrinal preaching. At the center, it is not Christ, it is self. He's self-centered and self-pleasing. Foolish builder is one who selectively reads the Bible for blessings. He's always looking for a blessing. He appreciates the doctrine of love, but he hates the doctrine of justice. He's interested in forgiveness, but he doesn't like the requirement of righteousness and obedience. He likes the doctrine of justification, but he hates the doctrine of sanctification. He's interested in blessings. The question is, what can I get out of? The church, Jesus Christ. What can you do for me? Spoiled, like spoiled kids who were not taught any responsibility. They're interested in massage. Make me feel good. And so... Such people do not listen carefully. They read the Bible selectively. To them, God is a butler. And he comes. And if he doesn't come so quickly, he's very upset and, be, and say, I'm very depressed. I see such people, they are always depressed. Foolish builder is impatient looking for shortcuts and quick results and always interested in short-term profit and short-term results, no long-term view of things. Impatient. A foolish builder has no view of the end. They do not think about death and eternity and having to face Jesus Christ. It's appointed for man once to die and then comes the judgment. 
A foolish builder is one who depends on his own ideas. He thinks he knows better than everybody else. And in Greek language, there is a word for such people, idiot. So he builds on sand of his own idiocy. A foolish builder is very sure of his salvation. You ask, are you saved? Very sure, absolutely, no question about it. The wise builder, you ask him, are you saved? You know, he is not all that sure. He's, he goes through all kinds of tribulation and questioning. A foolish builder is self-confident and self-sufficient. A foolish builder is one who fails to use God's means of grace. Why is it? He's self-confident. He's self-sufficient. He doesn't have to receive grace from God. So he doesn't pay any attention to the word. He doesn't pray much. He doesn't come to the service to worship but you will find that person playing hard, eating hard, enjoying hard, laughing hard. There are people who come alive right after the service is over. They are alive. Hey, don't you want to go home? No, they're, they're alive now. Light is turned on when the pastor said benediction. A foolish builder cares much for personal appearance. Oh, they even exercise, let me tell you. They will exercise hard. And I said, their building may appear more sophisticated than the other building that will last. Better appointments, better furniture. It looks more clean. It's white-walled sepulcher. The foolish builder dislikes suffering, any kinds of suffering. Well, that's enough for us to have some idea of uh, who a wise builder is and uh, who a foolish builder is so we can understand where we stand. Let's look upon the two foundations. First, of course, is the foundation rock. The man digs deep to find the bedrock and builds upon it. You know, David says in Psalm 18, turn with me and listen to what he says. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. This rock is Jesus Christ and not self. And Isaiah said in Isaiah 28 and verse 16, God is speaking through Isaiah, Behold, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be ashamed. That is one who builds upon it. One who rests upon this bedrock by saving faith. Oh, it's a tested rock. Tested by the Father. Tested by the devil. Tested by human authorities. Tested by saints of all ages. Tested and approved 
not one of the many foundations, the only foundation concerning whom the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Build on him. And uh, St. Peter, people think he is the rock. No, St. Peter says, in 1 Peter chapter 2, St. Peter himself says in verse 6 and 7, 1 Peter 2, 6 and 7, for in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And that is exactly what St. Paul is saying. Ephesians 2 and verse 20. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Or St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 11. You find this idea of stone and foundation in many places. But 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid which is Jesus Christ. Don't talk to me about philosophers and scientists and Nobel Peace people. And all the bright people of the world, don't tell me about them. But they are not foundations. There's one foundation given to us by, by the Father, Jesus Christ. Everyone... Therefore, who hears these words of mine and do them yes. shall be likened to a wise man who built his house, Epiten Petran, upon the rock. We must build upon the person and work of Jesus. We must trust in Jesus alone, savingly. Such people shall never be ashamed. But the question is, how can we build upon this foundation we must build upon the foundation but how can we unless he first builds that is the genius of reformed doctrine you cannot believe in him unless you are regenerated and granted the gift of faith to trust in him therefore Jesus builds his church father planned this salvation, the Son accomplished this salvation upon the cross when he died in our behalf. And the Spirit of the living God is now applying this salvation to everyone chosen from the foundation of the world. Remember the story of Lydia. St. Paul was preaching in Philippi. And the Bible says God opened the heart of Lydia to respond to the gospel. I'm saying that we cannot build upon this Jesus Christ unless God builds us. Turn with me to Matthew 16 and listen to what Jesus Christ is saying in verse 18. And I tell you that you are Peter. On this rock, the word is Petra. The same word is used in Matthew 7, large bedrock. And on this rock, I'll build my church and I just told you, Peter said that rock is Jesus Christ. But notice the issue. And on this rock, I will build my church. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. He is the rock foundation. He is the rock 
and he is the builder. And he builds first. And then we build upon it by hearing and doing his will. He is the primary builder. We build because he builds us upon him. That's where the Ordo Salutis comes. Who has chosen you before the foundation of the world? God did. Who effectually called you? God did it. Means you've been given new life. Regenerated. Who gave you faith to believe in him? He gave you. Who made you able to repent of your sins effectually? He enabled you. That you repented and you forsook your sin. You hate sin. And you love righteousness. Who justified you? God justified you. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Who adopted you? God adopted you into his family. And we are his children. See how God builds us. Christ builds his church. Who sanctifies you? Well, God does. Through us. So you see, I'll build my church. And because he builds his church, we build upon the rock, Christ. Turn with me to Second Timothy. That is, there you find another idea of foundation. Second Timothy and chapter 2 and verse 19. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. This is a foundation that we should receive great comfort from. It is a solid foundation. It stands firm. What is this foundation? What's the inscription? There is an inscription. It says what? The Lord knows those who are his. Means the Lord loves the Lord saves and you are certain of being saved. That's a foundation we need to trust in. God's solid foundation stands firm. But not only that, there is another foundation which is our building. <laughs> what we build upon it, it is called good works. That's what it is. Good works don't save us. But because we are saved, we do good works. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. There uh, St. Paul speaks about the importance of distribution of our wealth. Sharing. 1 Timothy 6 verse 17 and following. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. If you hear these sayings of mine and do them. And to be generous and willing to share in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves. A firm foundation for the coming age. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Yes, Jesus Christ is our foundation. Yes, Jesus Christ builds his church upon the foundation which is Jesus Christ himself. 
And there is a foundation which is the knowledge of God. The Lord knows those who are his. The Lord watches over them. The Lord saves them. The Lord brings them finally to himself. That is because of his everlasting love. But not only that. We must hear and do his will. Which is also a foundation. Upon which we can stand. But let me tell you that foundation stands upon Jesus Christ. But it gives us something underneath. Then I ask you, are you saved? It's an assurance that I've been walking in righteousness. You cannot sin and keep on sinning and pretend that you are saved. So then, let us build on the foundation that is Jesus Christ himself. But what is this sandy foundation? Let me tell you. There is the other foundation, which is sand. Every person who exercises just mental assent to Jesus, they hear it, but they will not do it. Have you seen such people? You tell the kid to do something, they heard it, but they will not do it. That is sandy foundation. The people who are emotional and feeling-oriented, self-centeredness, self-pleasing, more interested in human opinion instead of Christ's lordship. Say, Lord, Lord, but we'll never obey him. Finally, let's come that there is testing is coming. You see, both houses look the same. You cannot tell the difference. Difference is covered up. It's invisible. It had to do with foundation. But let me tell you what's going to happen. Rain came down, heavy rain. Streams rose. Winds blew against that house. Let me read to you from the book of Ezekiel, where Ezekiel was speaking about false prophets. Against false prophets who were telling people to build upon the false prophecies of false prophets who always spoke nice things. They never spoke the word of Christ. They said everything is going to be nice. Babylonians are not going to come here. Even if they do come, they are going to go away. Temple, 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 temple. We are God's people. Everything will be all right. And people listen, vast majority of people listen to these false prophets. But listen to what God says through Ezekiel chapter 13, beginning with verse 10. Let me read to you. There is testing. Because they lead my people astray, saying, peace, when there is no peace. And because when a flimsy wall is built, they cover it with whitewash. Therefore, tell those who cover it with whitewash that it is going to fall. See, the whitewash gives you the impression it is going to stand. Rain will come in torrents, and I will send hailstones hurtling down, and violent winds will burst forth. When the wall collapses, will people not ask you, where is the whitewash? You covered it with. Now I want us to understand. Whether ours is. A whitewashed wall. 
based on false pretenses of false prophets. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says, in my wrath I will unleash a violent wind and in my anger hailstones and torrents of rain will fall with destructive fury. I will tear down the wall you have covered with whitewash and will level it to the ground so that its foundation will be laid bare. When it falls, you will be destroyed in it and you will know that I am the Lord. There is going to be testing by rain and by wind and by storm and by rivers here and hereafter. Let's look at some of this testing sickness. And you don't like to be sick, do you? <laughs> but the doctor said, you are sick. I don't want to be sick myself. But one of these days, somebody is going to tell me. Sickness. Rejection by others. You want to be rejected? Financial reversals. Divorce. Children, you know, beautiful children, these nice children. And you thought they were going to be nice. All of a sudden they went crazy. Absolutely stubborn and rebellious. Death of a spouse or death of children. And finally there is that big storm. Our own death. And it will come. Abraham was tested in Genesis 22. God himself saying, take your son, your only son, the son whom you love, Isaac, sacrifice him. Or read Job chapter 1 and chapter 2. Read it. What another? Rain. Rivers. Storms. Rising and beating against Job. Finally, he himself is so sick. And his wife tells him to curse God and die. That's a lot of shaking, isn't that true? Look at Peter, you know. Jesus said, Luke chapter 22, Satan asked me permission. He wanted to sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Worldliness, that is another shaking. You want to have bigger house and better cars and pleasures. And all this fascination with the world, deceitfulness of riches. There's also Satan himself is against us. And the book of Ephesians chapter 6, let me read to you the shaking. Put on the whole armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's a Satan against you. Demons against you. World against you. Let me tell you then, there is heavy rain. There will be rivers rising. There will be winds they all have one purpose to beat against you and the structure you built for the last 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. Let me tell you, it will happen unexpectedly. It will happen in the midnight. It will happen like a thief in the night and it will happen suddenly. You don't expect these things. That's why we must build to last.
I tell you what the result is going to be. I read in Ezekiel 13 that white walled foundation will be laid bare. It will crumble, it will fall, it will be exposed. And all those in that house will be destroyed, it says. The foolish virgin, the cry came in the midnight. No oil. And they were told, depart from me, do not. Matthew 22, there is a great banquet and there came a man. And the master came and said, how come you are here? Get him out! Or the rich man and Lazarus both died. Tell me, did the rich man really expect to go to hell? Tell me, anybody. He really expected to go to heaven because he was rich. He thought he was very blessed. But the Bible says he didn't make it. In other words, if you don't build it right, it will collapse. And God will make the foundation manifest. And so I urge you by the mercies of God to build upon Jesus Christ. That it may endure. Jesus is the rock. Jesus is the builder. We build up also upon this foundation because Jesus builds. But let me tell you, Jesus said, I'll build my church upon this foundation and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It means the church endures. It means you endure. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, look at Samson in Judges chapter 16 and verse 3. He was in Gaza. He was inside and they wanted to kill him. And he goes to the city gate. Samson tore loose the city gate of Gaza. Lifted them to his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill. He made a mockery of the strength of Gaza. But I say here we have one who is greater than Samson. Very God, very man. The way, the truth, and the life. The resurrection and the life. And if we build upon him, and because he builds the church, we shall endure. Hallelujah. This is called the doctrine of what? Perseverance. We shall persevere because God will help us to persevere to the very end. Let me ask you, how are you building? And let me tell you, everyone is building. Every day, everyone is building. Every decision is part of building. Even today, right now, you are building. Let me ask you, are you a thinking person? Thinking especially Christ's thoughts. Are you hearing him and understanding him? Above all, are you a person who obey Jesus Christ? Or are you anti-thinking? Anti-doctrine? Emotional? Feeling dominated? Pleasure-seeking? Self-centered? Self-pleasing? Fascinated with own opinions? And opinions of the worldly wise. But let me tell you what St. Paul is telling. Let me read it to you one more time. I read it several times. But let me read it to you about the wisdom of the world. 
1 Corinthians 1.18 For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. When I see anybody laughing at the gospel, I conclude that he is perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Don't tell me about the wisdom of the world. Jesus said, therefore, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does them. Because the wisdom of the world will be shown to be nothing and useless. Well, let's, let me read to you what St. Paul said at the end of his life. My question to you is, can you say with St. Paul this? For I am ready, already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Jesus said, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Today you are hearing his voice. The writer to the Hebrews said, If so, do not harden your hearts. Our time is coming. So be wise. Hear Christ alone. Do his will alone. And you will not fall. And you will not collapse. But persevere to the very end. For God shall help you. There are those who never hear Jesus. Nor do his will. There are those who ever hear his teachings. And never do his will. And then there are those. Who hear his words. And do them. And it is my prayer that we. Be those people. Hallelujah. Without fear then. We can face death, the final storm. Yes. Heavenly Father, I pray that you have mercy upon us. Help us this morning to examine our structures. Help us to trust in Jesus Christ alone, savingly. And demonstrate our trust by doing his will. For we know what James said, faith without deeds are dead. So, O oh God, help us to believe and do your holy will that we may be filled with assurance of your great salvation. Hallelujah. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.